coming up on Locked on Dodgers. What will the Dodgers infield look like this year? Andrew Friedman was on the radio and had some thoughts, and we had some thoughts on his thoughts. So all that and a lot more on today's Locked on Dodgers. You are Locked on Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching and listening right now, and then you will never miss a day because you know, asterisk, we're not going to. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. My co-host is Vince Samperio. Uh, we're doing a split episode today, so it'll be me for the first half and Vince for the second half. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans just like you. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. It's FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And I put that little asterisk at the beginning when I said we're never going to miss a day because, as you might have noticed, we kind of missed on Friday. Vince and I recorded our regular episode Thursday night like we always do. And uh, this online web system that we use to record ate our recording. It was gone. We thought it was gone forever. And uh, we didn't have time to re-record it. Vince and I both had a lot going on on Friday. And so... I am really, really sorry that we didn't have an episode for you first thing Friday morning like we have the last 199 weeks before that. That was the end of our 200th week uh, since we went daily on March 25th, 2019. It was the first time we ever missed a day. The good news is, if you didn't notice in your feed, that episode has been restored. Uh, they found it and they they gave it back to us on Sunday afternoon. So Sunday evening, I uploaded that around a little after nine o'clock Pacific time. It should have showed up in your feed or on YouTube. And so it's uh, kind of a bonus episode, kind of a make good episode on Fridays. But uh, I am back to claiming we've never missed a day because the episode we recorded for Friday is now available. And we'll just pretend that it was available on Friday, you know. So with that said, let's uh, let's jump into what we're talking about today. And Andrew Friedman, the Dodgers I, I always want to say general manager. He's our president of baseball operations. Their actual general manager is Brandon Gomes. But Andrew Friedman calls the shots, runs the show over there. And uh, he was on the radio this weekend. And he was talking about the Dodgers infield. And he said right now, if he had to guess, obviously Freddie Freeman is at first base. Gavin Lux is at shortstop. And he said he would guess Max Muncy at third base and Miguel Vargas at second base. And uh, that was notable for a couple reasons. Miguel Vargas has been a third baseman throughout his minor league career, but his defense has always been the one question mark for him. Everybody agrees he's going to hit in the big leagues. Question is, can he play enough defense? And uh, But with Justin Turner leaving, obviously it, it created an opening at third base, although Muncy was basically the Dodgers' uh, primary third baseman last year. He played more third base than, than Justin Turner did last year. And Muncie is a he's a solid third baseman. Uh, a lot of people, I think I mentioned this the other day. I liked his defense more than a lot of people did at third base. Uh, I thought he was perfectly fine. I don't think he's going to win any Gold Gloves, but he was perfectly fine. 
And the fact is, he used to be a perfectly fine first baseman and then turned himself into the best defensive first baseman in baseball. He used to be a less than perfectly fine defensive second baseman and turned himself into a good defensive second baseman. And so I have no doubt that if if he's put in the role of everyday third baseman, that he will turn himself into a solid, at least, third baseman. Uh, but it's kind of interesting that they are going with – or that Friedman guesses that they'll be going with Muncie at third and Vargas at second. Uh, Vargas is faster than Muncie, has more foot speed. I don't know if that translates directly to range. Uh, simply – I mean, there's a lot more to infield range than – foot speed because you have to get jumps and all that. Uh, but to the extent that it is impacted by foot speed, Vargas is going to be in a better situation than Muncie there. Uh, and so that part makes sense. Uh, the other part, I guess that makes sense to me, even though I'm surprised that they're not, uh, that they might not give Vargas a chance to earn the third base job. The other part that maybe makes sense to me is uh, second base, especially with the shift band is a more valuable position than third base as far as if you can get offense. Uh, and, and so basically because it's a, if it's a harder position to play defensively, the offensive bar to play there is lower, which is why, you know, when I was a kid, we had shortstops who couldn't hit a lick, but they kept playing because they could play shortstop and there were only so many people who could play shortstop. And then, you know, guys started coming along then. And there were a few when I was a kid, you know, Cal Ripken and Alan Trammell, uh, to a lesser extent, Tony Fernandez, guys like that. But then, you know, in the in the late '90s, you had the boom of of Jeter and A Rod and Nomar and those guys who could hit and play defense, and and so that that position changed. But second base is a harder position to play than third base, especially with the shift band. And so any offense that they get from Vargas is more valuable with him as a second baseman than as a third baseman, um, simply because the third base defense is easier to replace. So uh, it, it doesn't necessarily change. If you're talking about Vargas at second and Muncie at third or Muncie at second and Vargas at third, doesn't change the actual overall value for the team because it's the same two guys. But, uh, for example, Vargas, maybe his rookie of the year chances are better as a second baseman than as a third baseman, simply because his war will be higher with the same offense as a second baseman, not as much higher as if he was a shortstop or a center fielder or a catcher, but still higher than a third baseman. Uh, and so it, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I have no idea what to expect from Vargas as a second baseman. And the other thing that was kind of interesting about this was there was no mention of Michael Bush and Michael Bush is the Dodgers top second base, second base prospect. He's hit throughout the minors it it seems like the time is now for him to be in the big leagues for some team. Bush did play some left field. Uh, and so maybe that's a possibility for him in LA. Although uh, Friedman also said he thinks Chris Taylor in left field, which makes sense if Taylor does bounce back offensively. And I think that's kind of the underlying assumption or the unspoken uh, caveat there is Taylor's not going to be the starting left fielder if he's not hitting. Uh, if he hits as poorly as he did last year, they're going to have to figure something out. Uh, but I think what they're expecting is that with the fully healthy offseason, hard work this offseason, none of the nagging, nagging injuries he had last year, that they're expecting Chris Taylor to come in and be ready to play left field. And so Michael Bush, 
might be the odd man out. And, uh, you know, in, in just a minute, I'm going to talk kind of a little bit about Michael Bush and the perception versus reality and wondering what that might be uh, for him defensively. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the infield stuff, I don't have any idea, honestly. You know, a lot of people say that Dave Roberts is a puppet for the front office, he just does whatever they say. Uh, and I don't know if Andrew Friedman, when he says, if I had to guess, if it's a wink, wink, I don't have to guess because I'm the guy in charge, or if he really doesn't know what the plan is and if it's really going to be open in spring training, I think it would make sense for the Dodgers to use every bit of spring training they can to get a feel for what, what their infield is going to look like, what their outfield is going to look like. Uh, but it was interesting to get that insight from Friedman. So like I said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk a little bit more about Michael Bush before I turn it over to Vince. So thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. And please keep it Locked On Dodgers. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your, your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can get you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. And as you'll recall last week, I told you, take the under on the Eagles 49ers game. It was over under was set at 46 and a half. I said, take that under. Guess what? What was it? 38 points. Should have took the under. Should have listened to Jeff, sports betting expert right here. Could have done it at FanDuel. Made yourself a little money. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, I am back. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. When you are done here for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. And uh, my last topic before I hand it off to Vince, uh, Vince, uh, or I, I want to talk about Michael Bush. Um, Michael Bush has hit very well throughout his time in the Dodgers minor league system. He was picked, uh, drafted just a few years ago out of North Carolina. He was actually a first baseman in college. And that's where it gets interesting because the Dodgers drafted him and immediately turned him into a second baseman. They saw something in his athleticism, said this guy could be a second baseman. And just like I was talking about with Vargas with the, uh, the positional adjustment, meaning offense is more valuable from a second baseman than from a third baseman the gap is even bigger between second base and first base. First base is one of the easiest defensive positions to play. Don't tell Jock Peterson I said that. Um, and, and so any offense you get from second base is a ton more valuable than offense you get from first base. And so that's part of why they moved Bush. They said, well, he can hold down second base. Uh, he can hit. Let's move there. He's more valuable. Now the shift has been banned. And the question becomes, can this former college first baseman hold down second base without the shift uh, because it's a, it's a different position than it used to be. And and I've said before, we don't know what to expect all around from the banning of the shift. There's going to be things we haven't even thought about yet that we were like, oh, wow, 
that was an unforeseen consequence of banning the shift. Some will be good, some will be bad, who knows. We can't really say for sure how any particular second baseman will handle defensive second base. I mean, teams can still position guys. There's just limits on it. They have to be on the dirt. They have to be two infielders on each side of the of second base. But you can still, if you have a left-handed pull hitter, you can still have your your second baseman shaded towards first base. And so there's still going to be some, you know, we're the thing I think we're going to see most of maybe is more uh, line drives up the middle being actual hits like they were when I was a kid instead of, you know, one hop ground outs to the second baseman or shortstop. Um, but even that, the shortstop can play basically right behind second base, you know, an inch to the third base side of second base, uh, at least under the current rules, they've experimented in the minors with the wedge system where you you can't, you know, it kind of creates a, a triangle behind second base. So you can't play right behind the bag. It, the the, far, the farther back you are, the farther away from second you have to be. But they're not doing that in the big leagues. So there's still going to be, we, we don't know all, all what's going to happen is my point. But I've seen a lot of people, several people pointing out that Michael Bush is a former quarterback. So he's going to have the footwork, the the foot speed, all of that to be a successful second baseman. And I'm not saying that's not true. Uh, some people have, have made that point pretty belligerently and very, very adamantly. Like, what kind of idiot are you to not realize that Michael Bush used to be a quarterback? Of course he can play second base. And I, I take those comments uh, with more respect than they're intended. And uh, I, I don't push back too much. Uh, but I will point out that quarterback is a football position and second base is a baseball baseball position and football and baseball are different sports. And there are plenty, I, I could, I don't even follow football and I could make you a list right now of at least 30 quarterbacks in my lifetime who would have been terrible second baseman. Dan Marino, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I promise you he didn't have the foot speed and the footwork to be a successful major league second baseman. There are plenty of guys like that who were, you know, sit in the pocket and throw the ball. And, and even guys who, who had mobility for a quarterback, it's a different kind of mobility. And, and you, it's like when you see even Michael Jordan, who played in the minor leagues, uh, he never looked like a baseball player. He looked like a basketball player bang, playing baseball. And he was maybe the best baseball player of all the basketball players. When you see guys, you'll see a video, oh, this guy showed up at Dodger Stadium or, or whatever stadium and took batting practice with whatever major league team. And you're like, that guy's a professional athlete? Because when you take guys out of their element and have them do something different, they don't look athletic. And so I'm not saying that Michael Bush doesn't have the footwork and the foot speed to be a second baseman. I'm not even saying that his time at quarterback won't play into that. I'm saying the fact that he used to be a quarterback doesn't mean he will be able to hold down second base without the shift. And, and that's where I think it's so easy for people to just assume they know something because they know one thing about somebody. And the fact is, it's just not always the case. And so uh, the Dodgers know more than we do about Michael Bush because they, he's been playing their organization. They've had coaches watching him and scouts watching him. Uh, they know more than we do. And we're all going to find out soon. I think Michael Bush is going to get some chances at second base in spring training and we'll see. And maybe he'll surprise all of us except the people who won't be surprised and he will be a great defensive second baseman and maybe he won't. But uh, 
right now, at least according to Andrew Friedman, it seems like Michael Bush is maybe the odd man out. So with that, that's all I have to say. I'm going to turn it over to Vince. So uh, be sure to stick around on Locked on Dodgers because Vince will be along in a minute. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories. Then you got to try Bilt Bar. We just got through the holidays and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me and want to eat healthier, but don't want to compromise taste, then we've got some for you. You got to try Bilt. With Bilt, healthy is actually tasty. No, for real. So these things are pretty good and they're perfect for you. They're good for you. And if you have a New Year's resolution that you're still running through through a month, uh, we got it for you. Bilt Bar. What makes Bilt Bar so good? They're 100% covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. And they come in great flavors. Churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. And it tastes like a candy bar with all the great macros, low calories, only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with the whopping 17 grams of protein per bar. And now you don't have to wait to get a box because we've been talking about ordering at Built.com for a while now. But now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and get you some Built Bars. Head to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars, cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, whatever you want. Four bar box, 13 bar box. Go now and get one and thank us later. Yo, 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 Dodger fans, Vince here to close out the episode, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Joe Kelly. Why am I going to talk about Joe Kelly, considering he's not on the Dodgers? That's because he was speaking about Dodger fans this last week. Uh, he's coming out with the book called A Damn Near Perfect Game, Reclaiming America's Pastime, and he went on Dodger Talk with Davis Say. And he was talking about his time with the Dodgers. He's played with the Cardinals, Red Sox, Dodgers, and uh, who was he with last year? White Sox. So here's a couple quotes from him. He said, quote, Boston fans, obviously my time there, they loved it. I would kind of say it's a different kind of passion. They see me as a baseball player. In L.A. where I was home and became, I guess, a fan favorite, I feel like it was more family connected. It came more from a love, more it came from more a love aspect or he's a one of us type of guys. It's crazy. A few days ago, I came back from Mexico and in Mexico, Dodger fans are like Joe Kelly. And I'm like, yep. Then he went on and said, quote, the reach throughout the West coast, the reach throughout, obviously the West coast, Mexico being home in California. It's a different kind of love. I think it's more of a friendship type love than me just being a baseball player. The fan base in St. Louis was great. And in Boston, but that was more, I like him because he's on the Red Sox. It's definitely different, and ultimately, I think Dodgers have the best fan base. They appreciate being true to yourself. That's a special bond that will be in my heart and their hearts forever. And, yeah, I mean, this is interesting. And, and a, a good, I mean, I don't know, good take, but a smart take, I guess, whereas, like, you know, the Red Sox fans are passionate, and, you know, they love the Red Sox, and they love Boston and, you know, everything else. But it does feel like, you know, they're definitely rooting for who's on the, you know, what's on the front of the jersey, Red Sox. You know, they're not necessarily rooting for individual players or, you know, at least for the last few years, they haven't really been able to fall in love with individual players. Now they can, you know, I believe comfortably fall in love with Rafael Devers. He's going to be there a while. And obviously, you know, those guys from some of those Red Sox teams that that broke the curse and won championships, you know, Big Poppy, Manny, all those guys are always going to be loved in Boston. But it, it, I think, you know, Dodger fans, and, and I've been one, maybe not on this podcast or maybe on this podcast and, and maybe on social media before where, you know, people try to 
claim like, oh, yeah, Dodger fans are the best. And, yeah, Dodger fans are the best. But there is a large subsection of Dodger fans that aren't necessarily the best. And you can find that with any with any fan base. But when you're the, your fan base, you know, this is the fan base you're closest to, you're obviously going to notice it. And, you know, there's not always times I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm proud to be a Dodger fan right now. I'm proud to be a fan of the Dodgers, but not necessarily proud to be a Dodger fan. So, uh, but yeah, when it comes to it, I think the Dodgers do develop stronger connections with players in turn, even if it's, you know, short term, long term. I think if you endear yourself to the crowd, uh, you're pretty much endeared, for, maybe not, you know, probably for life, unless you go somewhere else and do something against the Dodgers. Now, Joe Kelly was a little bit opposite, you know, broke County Ramirez rib, was very dominant in the 2018 World Series when the Red Sox beat the Dodgers. So when he came to the Dodgers, it was like, mm, you know, if you can help us out, yeah, we're going to appreciate you, but don't necessarily want you here, I guess, in a certain extent. And, you know, he endeared himself. He had a little bit of, of a weird first year, uh, but then, he, you know, he had that moment with Carlos Correa and, you know, that kind of, that definitely endeared him to fans ever since then. He, he was going to be beloved, even though, you know, 2019, like I said, weird year, and then he gave up the Grand Slam to Howie Kendrick and then ODS in Game 5, and, you know, you're not necessarily uh, – and the fact that they paid more money than normal to him for the reliever was like, mm. And then 2020, yeah, you had the, the Carlos Cray incident, and, you know, at the end of it, he came out and closed the game in the playoffs, and, you know, end of it, World Series champ. And then we found out, you know, he was kind of hurt the whole year, which was interesting. And then 2021 had a pretty solid year and then had the mariachi outfit and everything else. So he did things to endear himself to the crowd and to the fans. And their fans are going to show that love. And it's not always like on field things. It's all, you know, off field or moments or things like that, you know. And I think kind of the flip side of that and, you know, Kenley Jansen had a much more dominant career as a Dodger, obviously, than Joe Kelly. But Kenley Jansen, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if this is, you know, me personally, just kind of what I see or what I saw. But the fans turned on him probably quicker than fans should turn on someone with the resume that he had and what he'd done for the Dodgers. But I don't know if he ever really endeared himself to Dodger fans. Now, there, you know, I remember as a fan of, you know, baseball and the Dodgers, you know, the 2016 NLDS when he came in and, and you know, threw off, what, 40, 50 pitches and got the Dodgers through those last few innings in game five and then handed it off to Kershaw. You know, that's something you can appreciate. But I think with Kenley Jansen, when you think of Kenley Jansen, you think of only – on-field failures you don't really think of too much else and yeah he you know there was sympathy with or sympathy or empathy depending you know when he had the heart issues and and everything else and you know I think Jansen's family w was you know pretty well liked in terms of I, I know his his wife had a pretty popular social media as well but uh, you know when you think of Joe Kelly you think of unless you're maybe a little bit of a masochist you think of the Carlos Cray incident. And that's the first thing that comes to your mind. And, you know, it, 2019 NODS game five maybe doesn't come to your mind right away. Uh, when you think of Kenley Jansen, you know, you probably think of multiple things. There are multiple blown saves and you don't necessarily remember the positive. And 
I don't know why, you know, some people just have different, you know, appeals. And, and obviously, yeah, the, the Carlos Cray incident played a huge part for Joe Kelly. But I do think Dodger fans, if they like you, they like you. And if, you know, they're indifferent and you start struggling, then they're not going to like you as much. And, you know, Cody Bellinger is, a, is another good example. He very bad the last two, two and a half seasons, you know, to the point where, you know, he, if you're getting, you know, based on fans that booed Kenley Jansen, that would have, you know, Bellinger's play would have also warranted boos if that's like the threshold. But Bellinger, when you think of Cody Bellinger, what do you think of? You think of MVP and you think of Rookie of the Year, or maybe you think of the robbing, you know, the home run in, in the 2020 playoffs, or you think of the, the big home run in the 2020, you know, in game seven of the NLCS, or you think of the walk-off hit in against the Brewers the year before. And, you know, there's a lot of different things you think of before you get to, you know, oh yeah, he wasn't that great the last two years. And, and it's, it's, it is interesting because, you know, like I said, he was a below average player the last two years. Kenley Jansen, was never necessarily a below average reliever. He was just below his highest standard. And, you know, I, I think, you know, Kike Hernandez, Kike Hernandez. Yeah. What do you remember for Kike Hernandez? You remember, you know, banana outfit. You remember, you know, the funny, the, when the drone came out, maybe on TV, you remember some of the other antics. And then you remember clutch home runs. You remember his three home runs to send the Dodgers to the world series in 2017. You remember, you know, his big home run to tie the game in game seven of the 2020 NLCS. So, I think the moments and the and and you know not necessarily always on field, but moments on field, moments off field, or personality really endears you to Dodger fans. You know, Jock Peterson. He's actually been a little bit better the last couple of years than he was necessarily as a Dodger the whole time. But you remember the big moments. You you know you remember all the home runs and the monstrous home runs and you know the celebrations and all that kind of stuff. So all in all, this is to say, like you know, Joe Kelly's right. I think Dodger fans do find other things you know red sox fans are you know are gonna like you if you're on the red sox for the most part you know and and if you're playing well for the red sox then they're gonna like you even more if you're not playing well for the red sox they're not gonna like you and and that's certainly true to a certain extent for every fan base but i do think the dodgers there's ways to endear yourself to a fan base other than just on field play you know kike hernandez probably got way more brand or sponsorship or whatever opportunities than maybe, you know, a player of his caliber would have. I mean, at, at, at best, he was a starter, uh, you know, above average starter, you know, and, and realistically for the Dodgers, he was more of a utility player. And that's not a bad thing. You know, Chris Taylor, more of a utility player, but he, you know, fits his role. And if, you know, he is more of the quiet side. You do remember big moments with him and you don't necessarily remember that he struck out, you know, 30 some percent of the time last year. Uh, you remember, you know, big home runs, a big home run in the 2017 World Series. You remember, you know, big moments for him. You remember the walk off home run against the Cardinals in the wild card game. So I think with the big moments and the being like that, the Dodger fans are quicker to fall in love with you and kind of forget Whereas if you don't necessarily have those moments or if they're overshadowed by kind of something else, then yeah, they're not necessarily going to be in love with you. You know, Kenley Jansen should have got the send off that and love that Justin Turner got this off season, but just because of the nature of what it was, he didn't. And I, you know, obviously Justin Turner has a lot. He has, you know, the foundation 
and you know giving out f- food to families during the pandemic and all the big moments the walk off home runs you know the big key plays all that kind of stuff he had all that you know and he became you know s- certified Dodger legend you know Kenley Jansen's going to be a a fringe Hall of Fame candidate and would likely go in what was going to go in as a Dodger unless he has some insane end to his career where he it stays with one team and is you know thoroughly dominant but he doesn't get that love as Dodge fans. And because we never had that, you know, endeared himself, I guess. It was just kind of, you know. And and that's why it's like with, with him and Joe Kelly, it's it's kind of a good conversation because you could say, oh, well, you know, Jensen's a closer. That's a tough job. You only remember the bad. You never remember the good. But we don't remember a lot of Joe Kelly's bad. You know, we don't remember a lot of these other guys bad. We we mostly remember the good or the standout moments now yeah it's it's the carlos correa moment in is a big 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 difference than you know pretty much anything jansen could have done but it was just that's just the way it goes but yeah you know dodger fans are the best fans i would agree with that as a whole um you know but i would like i said earlier i am always proud to be a fan of the dodgers i'm not always proud to be a dodger fan but for the most part i'm pretty proud to be a dodger fan too so that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. Check out Lockdown MLB Prospects for your second listen of the day. Host Lindsey Crosby is going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. You can find that wherever you find podcasts, which is also how you can find us and on YouTube if you search for Lockdown Dodgers, which is also how you can find us on social media, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find Jeff on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. DMs are open on all those accounts if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. Or you can always just send us a, a tweet and, and tag us in there. And if you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can also send us an email, lockdowndodgers at gmail.com, or send us a text or leave us a voicemail at 323-863-5625. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car, if you're at home, tell your smart advice play podcast, Lockdown Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one.